The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back into another edition of the Arrowhead Pride interview series. I am Steven Serta. Happy to be joined by our friend from BoltsFromTheBlue.com covering the Los Angeles Chargers, Michael Peterson. You can follow him on Twitter at ZoneTracks. As we prepare for a monster Week 7 matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. Michael, how are we feeling uh, ahead of this big AFC West showdown on Sunday? Uh, not great if we're being candid and completely honest. Uh, as, as you know, the Chargers are two and three. The season has not gone um, probably anyway that uh, fans and the team themselves would have wanted it to be. This was a year. This was year three in Staley. Uh, this is supposed to be the year where they continue to improve. So not only improve record, but like win a playoff game. Uh, you know, Herbert, the whole talk of MVP dark horse because of the Kellen Moore edition and all those things. But all of a sudden, again, two and three. Uh, they are one of two teams so far this season who have played in a one-score game all uh, f- at least five weeks that they've played uh, thus far, joining the Minnesota Vikings, which essentially are the Chargers of the NFC. So it's just it's been rough going. Some injuries are starting to pile up, and then all of a sudden you have the reigning Super Bowl champs who are five and one, and their only loss is to a five and one team, and they also happen to find a defense to go along with that offense. So there's just not a lot to be super excited about heading into this matchup. So I kind of wanted to ask you uh, about your expectations for this team coming into the season because you mentioned you know sub five hundred, not where you want to be uh, through the first six weeks of the season, especially. Uh, losing to the Dallas Cowboys coming off of a bye week where like you Mm -hmm. think that's the best time to kind of get back on track. Um, But, you know, this is obviously a Chargers team that has tremendous expectations when you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, who's one Mm -hmm. of the most talented passers in the NFL. But 
you mentioned this is year three. You have the devastating come from behind playoff loss to the Jaguars last year and the expectations coming into this season. Just, you know, ha- have they changed it all in your mind through six weeks of the NFL season? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I might have been of a minority group heading into the season where I did not have super high expectations. I didn't think it was realistic for the team to come out and, uh, you know, get to 11 wins, which would be more than they were last year. And even to get to the playoffs and, and win a playoff game, there's a schedule just looked really tough. This is the chargers we're talking about, which kind of, they come with some bad luggage. There's always injuries. There's always just some weird stuff. Um, there was the whole JC Jackson debacle, which, you know, it's not surprising how it ended because of just, it wasn't like he had a down year last year. It was like weird stuff where an injury to have surgery on came out of nowhere. And then he was literally a shell of himself. Like he was on before he had the season and an injury, he was on pace to record career highs and everything allowed touchdowns, yards, completions, all that. It just didn't seem like that was possible. We knew that some good things were going to happen, but also bad things kind of happen to every NFL team. It's just that the Chargers are one of the teams where they're a little bit more of a magnet for that. So when I was giving, you know, record predictions throughout the offseason where I was on radio or podcasts, people would ask me, well, what do I think? Well, I kind of went with nine and eight and maybe 10 and seven to, to match their record from a year ago. Everything kind of had to work together for them to get to 11 wins and win a playoff game. And that means like barely any injuries. Players were having career years. Uh, It was, you know, they were firing in all cylinders and it just hasn't been the case so far. And no one probably thought the defense was going to be this bad, especially again, six weeks in. And they're a, I think they're the second worst in yards allowed per week. So you just, that's not a championship team. And so I'm not surprised that they are where they are right now. I want to get into all that stuff to try to help our audience better understand Mm -hmm. the current state of this Chargers team. But before we really break down the matchups and stuff in this football game, like I want to get your thoughts on on Kellen Moore stepping into this. But first Mm -hmm. and foremost, I think a lot of the blame is going to be placed on Brandon Staley. Uh, He's a head coach, head coaching hire a few years ago with really high expectations and kind of came in and being like this kind of media darling head coach. And then when things started to not work and things started to unravel a little bit, it's kind of gone the opposite way. Like what are your feelings on Brandon Staley currently? And do you feel like he is really on the hot seat right now? Because this is a team that has serious uh, expectations coming into the season to be highly competitive in the AFC. Yeah. As a head coach, I really do like Staley. I think the the culture and the locker room environment that he's been able to create is a very good one. Um, but the thing is, usually you would like to see that transfer over to the field and the production, and especially being a defensive coach. You know, to say that your defense is 31st in total yards allowed, um, I think with the worst or 31st as well in passing yards allowed, and this is a passing league, that is not what you want to hear. Um, You can say, you know, he's a great leader. He's a great uh, coach in terms of getting the vibe going, in terms of getting the locker room to love each other and to trust each other. But that's just not what wins games. What wins games is the performance on the field. You can be the biggest rah-rah guy. People can say, we trust in our head coach. We, you know, we'll ride or die for him or anything like that. But until it's actually showing results on the field, we have to sit here and say something's missing. You know, they have all the players. They have, they just brought in the new young, hot offensive coordinator. They're doing all these things that like seemingly should add and culminate into more sustained success. And we're just not seeing that. So at this rate, to be totally honest, uh, 
I wouldn't be surprised if this season goes off the rails and then this is maybe Brandon Staley's last season with the team. But I actually always say that if, if Staley goes, I do think Tom Telesco does have to go as well. I don't see how you let a GM hire their fourth coach, especially one that has been doing this for, I think, 10 to 11 years now and only has two playoff appearances with one win. I just don't know what would keep them believing that the front office is also not to blame for the continued lack of meeting expectations the last 10 years. And I'm glad you mentioned Tom Telesco because I was actually going to ask about that just in general, like it's, it's not working the way you want it to right now. And the Mm -hmm. coach generally is the first person that gets blamed for all of that stuff. But like, do you feel like uh, the chargers coming up short the last few years, despite like having talented rosters, spending money in free agency, having a superstar NFL quarterback, like, is that personnel? Is that coaching? Is it a combination of both? Is it just the weird Chargers stuff that seems to go back to Philip Rivers? Like mm-hmm. what 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 is keeping this team from kind of getting over the hump right now? You know, I think you can't really just pinpoint one thing. I really do think it's a culmination of all of it. Uh, you know, Tom Telesco, a lot of people will say he's been a pretty good drafter, that he's got pretty good draft classes and he gets a lot out of his picks. I don't think those people have really dove into the numbers and really dove into, you know, just how many second contracts he's handed out to players that weren't first round picks. Honestly, if you look back, he's not getting a lot of value out of their day two and day three picks. Um, Prior to this season, you know, I wrote an article for SB Nation flagship about how the Eagles returned to the Super Bowl five years after they won it uh, under Doug Peterson. And the biggest thing I noticed was that they just make And I mean this, like every right move they have in front of them, they make, whether it's in the draft or a free agent signing the players, whether it's a day one, two, three pick or, you know, not the biggest brand name uh, free agent signing. Those players come in and almost find success immediately. And if you look at Tom Telesco, especially the last two draft classes, to me, these did not scream we need to win now. We need to make a splash now or else we not may not be here much longer to coach and develop these players. Let's look at this past draft. Quentin Johnston uh, has six catches for 44 yards through his first five NFL games. It's not exactly the what you want to see, especially when Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison were picked the first two picks after him and are both have double-digit catches, 200, 300 yards, and a couple touchdowns apiece. It's just not what you want to see. You look at JT Woods, a safety that people thought they reached last year um, in the third round, has done really nothing. He has been too much of a liability as a tackler. Uh, Dayon Henley, who I really like as their third-round pick this year, hasn't seen the field. And again, third-round pick is still a pretty good pick to get a guy to come in and play immediately, especially when your, your linebacker room is aging Eric Kendricks and Kenneth Murray, who hasn't been too hot. So there's just all these different picks that really make you start to question. You know, If, if Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco were fighting for their jobs in this season, a lot of these picks don't make sense because they keep pointing at them and saying, oh, no, like this is a developmental league. Like you pick these players and, you know, it's not a surprise that they're, they're not playing right away or doing anything too crazy. Uh, but like all the good teams are the Chiefs are a big one. Trent McDuffie, Legarius Sneed, um, the seventh round rookie last year who picked six, Justin Herbert. Like, I mean, they have players come in and are, and are helping them win games immediately. And I think that's the thing that the Chargers are missing drastically is just finding guys whether on a bargain or in late rounds who come in and do make an impact uh, throughout the season to help them get to the playoffs and beyond. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. The chiefs and Eagles, especially over the last few drafts have just 
they, they seem to keep finding these guys who can contribute and who mm-hmm. can find roles and step in and play. And when you have a quarterback on a top five contract, like you have to hit on those day two and day three draft picks. And the Chargers mm-hmm. have that now in Justin Herbert. So those, those picks are all that much more important. So if you're really not hitting on those guys, you're really hurting your roster in the long run. So mm-hmm. that, that that's interesting for the Chargers because I do think of them as like a team that has traditionally drafted pretty well and, and found contributing guys in the draft. But uh, you, you mentioned they bring in the hot young offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore who comes over from the Dallas Cowboys. And obviously the biggest thing that I think people got hung up on with Justin Herbert over the past couple of years was his offensive system. And if you watch it, you were just like, why is nobody running more than seven yards down the field? Mm-hmm. And, and finally, they have an offensive coordinator who's willing to stretch things, who's willing to test things out, who wants to put up a lot of points and, and have these big splashy games. And I do think that Justin Herbert has had a nice start to the season, but it's still just not translating to wins for whatever reason. So just what are your thoughts uh, on the early returns uh, of Kellen Moore and how it's affected the offense? And if you do think that like it, it has drastically improved, at least, even though it's still not translating to wins for the Chargers. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that the passing game is a little bit more focused around the intermediate parts of the field, and they're taking a lot more uh, deep shots. I believe the numbers are Herbert's average air yards per attempt went from, I think, like 6.2 up to 8.5 or somewhere around there. It's bumped up roughly around two yards. Um, they're hitting Keenan Allen a little bit further down the field more consistently, aside from the two misses this past week. Um, and he's a guy who isn't open all that often um, or hasn't been in the deep parts of the field. He's more of the short to intermediate guy. Josh Palmer, you're seeing uh, make some good catches in that intermediate parts as well. Um, it is a real bummer that Mike Williams, you know, went down because he was their deep threat as a jump ball guy, not so much a speed threat. Um, I am excited to see where the offense goes when Jalen Guyton comes back. He's a former undrafted free agent a couple years ago, but as a four, three type guy, he uh, tore his ACL last year. I think it was week four, week five. Unfortunately, it's taken a little longer to get back. We've been over a year at this point where that kind of prognosis date is for his uh, the ACL tear. Um, but when he comes back, I think this offense is going to be able to open up itself a little bit more, um, getting somebody over the top of the defense. Right now, Quentin Johnston is kind of playing that role. But because he is a rookie who hasn't really shown or done it in the NFL, he's not going to garner as much attention um, from defenses as someone like Guyton, who has burned defenses for 50, 60 yard catches multiple times throughout the past few years. When it comes to the rushing game, though, that's where this team is really hurting. So in week one, as everyone saw in that, that thriller against Miami. They had 234 yards rushing, 117 for Eckler. I think it was 91 uh, from Josh Kelly. Both of them scored touchdowns. And I Eckler hasn't been playing since uh, returning. Excuse me. He missed all the games leading up to the Cowboys game, but he only had 29 yards rushing. Didn't score. Josh Kelly saw one carry for two yards. Isaiah Spiller saw one carry for two yards. Josh Kelly leads the team with 200 something yards um, after 100 in week one. So you can't find balance in this game without being able to run the football. And I'm not saying they need to be able to super efficient running the football, but enough to get chunk plays to make the defense respect them. That entire Cowboys game we just saw on Monday night, they pin their ears back constantly. The Cowboys were number one in success rate allowed uh, in the run game. So we knew we were going to pass, but you got Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, and some really good dime uh defenders who are speedy in that box were really able to get after the quarterback. So you can't find a balanced offense without that. And Kellen Moore is doing everything he can. I thought the running game was more vertical North and South get one cut 
get your, as many yards as possible, that type of run game, which I think is more akin to what the Chargers offensive line is built around. But it's been really, really rough lately. Um, so I give Kellen Moore all his kudos. I think he's been great. But if they can't find a run game, the limit and the ceiling of this team in general is just going to be so much lower than it should be. And you mentioned the run game in the offensive line. And I'm just curious how you feel like mm-hmm. you know, coming off this matchup against the Dallas Cowboys with you know, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, that defensive line recognized as one of the absolute best units in the NFL. Well, now they get the Kansas City Chiefs who, while they're underrated because of Patrick Mahomes, I think, and Travis Kelsey in the offense, their defense has been better than the offense through the first six games of the season. And their defensive line stacks up with some of the best defensive lines in the NFL. But they they do give up a little bit more on the ground. So I feel like Eckler should have a, a good opportunity here to try to get back on track. Just how, how do you think the Chiefs' uh, defensive line matches up with the Chargers' offensive line with the way that they're playing right now? Yeah, I think, you know, you got a guy like Chris Jones who can line up anywhere at his size. You know, he, he wrecks havoc in the middle of the, the defensive line. He can sit out on the edge and bull rush any offensive tackle into the quarterback's lap. Um, you got a guy like that. It makes your defense a whole lot easier to game plan around. Um, your pick last year in the third round, I believe it was Leo Chanel. Uh, love him. Loved him coming out as, an, as a former Iowa alumni. I watched him at Wisconsin play my Hawkeyes several times. He absolutely crushed it. George Karloftis. I don't know if Frank Clark's going to rejoin the team. I thought he had a physical. It was a report that he was, you know, meeting up with the Chiefs. I know nothing's done at this point, but that'd be even crazier. Uh, I was looking at, again, the Chiefs defensive stats, kind of like what you're talking about. You said they give up a little more on the ground, um, but uh, what is it? 183.6, if I'm correct. That's still quite a bit, unless that's passing yards. I might have my numbers mixed up here now that I'm looking at it. But overall, I'm just looking at your defensive ranks going. They can just stop whatever you know when the when the chiefs were winning super bowls beforehand they had a defense that was like fine this wasn't a defense that people worried about it was a they the focus was always on outscoring mahomes and stopping him this is now a mahomes-led offense with a defense that can stop the run enough and has done really well at stopping the pass again guys like mcduffie and sneed and these young defensive backs are playing out of their minds. And then you have transplant, former Charger, Drew Tranquil coming in, leads the team in tackles right now. Uh, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, you guys have some serious athleticism in the middle of that Chiefs defense, which I think is such a good compliment for the defensive line because that defensive line can plug up holes and rush the passer. And then you've got linebackers who can also do the exact same thing. They can rush the passer, all three of them. They're athletic enough to cover. They're athletic to stop the run and shed blocks on the interior. So it is truly really scary to think about a Chiefs team where all of a sudden the focus isn't just the offense anymore, but that defense is something you're going to have to worry about. And Drew Tranquil, uh, just one of the quietest, like, impact free agent signings mm-hmm. of the offseason. Like, he, he's been spectacular for the Chiefs this year. And, yeah, I, I don't think the, teach, the Chiefs have been, like, necessarily torched on the ground. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. But it's like their passing defense has been so good that there's just been a little bit more success in in the running game for the Kansas City Chiefs because that that secondary has just been tremendous this season. But moving over to the defensive side of the ball for the Chargers, um, I I wanted to just kind of ask you about Joey Bosa and, and what's going on with him. Obviously, he's banged up right now and. He played last week uh, against the Cowboys, but he isn't playing a full uh, allotment of snaps right now. Like he's kind of a rotational player as they try to get him healthy. 
Khalil Mack, obviously, uh, has been great the last couple of games. Got seven sacks in the last two games, but six of those were against Aiden O'Connell and the Las Vegas Raiders. Just how, how do you see the their, the Chargers defensive line kind of matching up with the Chiefs? And is Joey Bosa going to be healthy, or is he still kind of on the snap count? Yeah, dude, the Joey Bosa thing is honestly still super weird just because of how long this injury is lingering and like this weird purgatory that he finds himself in, right? He, he played week one and was just fine. And then ever since, aside from missing that Raiders game completely, he has listed as like a, a non-participant in practice the first two days and then usually does like a limited practice the Friday or whatever before game day. And then he's always questionable. But then he comes in and he plays anywhere between 15, maybe 25 snaps. And, you know, he's had an impact. But at what point are you just kind of prolonging this inevitable that maybe let him miss a few games? Because rookie Tuli Tupelotu has been very good opposite of Khalil Mack. Let him get actually healthy instead of like trying to drag him through a week of practice, doing as much as he can do just to play in that week's game on a really small snap count doesn't make a whole lot of sense i guess if they think that's a formula that can work because they found a really nice nascar pass rush package with the three of them mac tuli and bosa the last couple weeks that has worked very well but it just seems odd this is like a big money guy for you and you kind of maybe want him to play a full game and you're paying him to do that so for him to be essentially a rotational guy right now is really really odd but as you mentioned khalil mac has kind of found his stride six against the raiders you know, call it whatever you want. There's been a lot of pa- good pass rushers who have played really bad offensive lines and did not get six sacks. So yeah. I do think that was an absolutely incredible experience to watch. He had one against the Cowboys. I thought he had one more. I thought he was going to get him on the one play where Dak escaped and then hit Tony Pollard for 60 yards. You know, that would have been really cool. But he's looked very good. He's been very stout in run defense as well. The biggest thing I've noticed with Thule and Mac playing together recently is they're very good at crashing down on runs. Thule chases down the backside of runs very, very well. Khalil on the play side of runs really shoves down his offensive lineman and kind of muddies up that area. So I do like how those two are playing. The pass rush has looked very good. Morgan Fox, I think surprisingly defensive tackle has four and a half sacks, almost five this year. Like it's just weird. I didn't realize they were having that much success, but that's probably one of the biggest reasons the defense completely hasn't gone off the handles. Overall, I do like how they're going to match up with this offensive line, but I mean, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, you guys have got some very good interior defensive or offensive linemen. Uh, And even your tackles are just fine. I mean, it's Mahomes. He'll make it work with whoever really is playing tackle. As long as the point A to point B pass rush, you know, along the interior, as long as that's taken care of, you know, you're feeling pretty good as a quarterback. So overall, I do like the matchup, but I'm not going to say I think one side is really favored over the other. And it, it is really interesting to see kind of Joey Bosa says, I know he's still been limited in practice this week, but he's really given the Chiefs some problems. And obviously the offensive line, you mentioned the new tackles, like, They've changed some personnel over the last couple of years, but the Chargers defensive line tends to give the Chiefs offensive line some problems. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch uh, during Sunday's game. But final thing for me, Michael, uh, a lot's been made about this game. Obviously, Chargers sub 500, Chiefs five and one, the Raiders sitting at three and three, number two in the division. I don't think anybody's really worried about the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, And then the the just dumpster fire that is the Denver Broncos sitting at the bottom at one and five, like. Do, do you buy into the fact, like, is this truly like a division deciding type of contest on Sunday in only week seven of the NFL? 
you know, I don't think it's going to decide anything. If it will decide anything at all, I think it's going to help decide if the Chargers are going to have that successful of a season. Um, there's, excuse me, there's going to be a lot of games left. There, there will be at two and four, say the Chargers lose here. Their schedule does ease up. They've got the Bears and Jets immediately following, which could put them right back to four and four before facing the Lions, the Packers, the Ravens, the Patriots, uh, and a little bit of an intermediate gauntlet there. Um, I just, you know, I think it will mean a, a heck of a lot more for the Chargers to beat the Chiefs, obviously, than the Chiefs just kind of taking care of business against a two and three team. Every game in the AFC West is always a dogfight. It's so weird. Even if like the Raiders and Broncos, when they're barely winning any games at all, and they Chiefs play the Chiefs. 19 against the Broncos. <laughs> right. So like it's like it could be the end of the season. The Raiders are three and 13. Right. And they have to play the Chiefs. And somehow they like almost take the Chiefs to the edge. Or you could say the same thing about the Broncos or Raiders playing the Chargers with drastically different records. It's it's always a dogfight. So I expect this game to be super entertaining. I also expected to have all of the unfortunate events that have come with Chargers games especially when these two play each other. I'll say the Chargers go up at some point and they give us hope. And then the Chiefs remember, oh, we're the Chiefs. That's totally right. We should play like it. And then they shut the door and get a defensive stop and then just break the hearts of everybody in Chargers land. Yeah, uh, they at least for this matchup, I know the Chiefs have won the last few, but they tend to always be close games and competitive games that come down to the wire. So I think that's something we can certainly expect on Sunday when the Chiefs take on the Chargers at 325 Arrowhead time. But he is Michael Peterson. You can follow him on Twitter at Zone Tracks. Follow all of his fantastic work at BoltsFromTheBlue.com. Uh, Michael, I hope it is a competitive game on Sunday, but uh, I hope the Chiefs still find a way to get a win. We appreciate you joining us. Yep, I appreciate it. Thank you.